What's up, guys? Today is December 19th, 2020, and it is finals week. Uh, so hope you survived and had a better finals week than me. We are Take or Miss. I am one of your co-hosts, John Morkin, along with my partner, Anna. You're coming via Zoom. Uh, we are unfortunately without Khalil this week, uh, but we have an awesome interview with Packers legend and Super Bowl champ, two-time Super Bowl champ, John Kuhn. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Uh, follow our, our Twitter account, Take or Miss, at Take or Miss UCLA, and uh, show us some love or roast us, and uh, let's get started. So, Anna, I spilled juice on my MacBook and fried it completely, and all my, uh, my three final papers, all the progress that I made on my three finals, final papers uh, last week or earlier this week on Sunday night, the day before one of them was due. And uh, UCLA also lost a heartbreaker to USC. And we just lost this this, uh, this week against the Stanford, or in the Stanford game, last second, another choke job in overtime. So last week was, last finals week was one of the worst weeks of my life. I hope yours was better. Yeah, slightly. I mean, pretty tough week to be a UCLA student getting yeah, fucked up by finals and then losing two heartbreakers at the end of the season. But uh, yeah, fortunately, my computer's intact. So I would say slightly better than you, but are we thriving? No, not particularly. No. But, uh, you know, we'll live. But yeah, I mean, brutal, brutal end of the season. I mean, that was just back to back, like two just really good games that just just did every like the one thing that needed to go right like went wrong and it made all the difference and it was brutal yeah yeah let's talk about that so we'll start with UCLA football so game against USC um beating them what were we up by 18 at one point yep 18 point lead up by 18 up the whole game by at least one score um things kind of fell apart down the stretch and um a couple we take the lead last minute last minute of the game surely there's not enough time and then they take the uh the, the kick return or they return the the kickoff to about like midfield or past midfield in UCLA mm -hmm. territory one nice catch later and and uh and they score the go-ahead winner with uh with with a few ticks left so yeah that one hurts that one that one hurts um yeah, that one, that one just really sucks because I was pretty numb after that because it was such a, it was such a good game and, and, and such a, you know, it was like a, it was such a good ride for like 85, 90% of that game. And then just the last, the last like couple minutes of it, you know, ultimately when, when they won in the final minute, just, it just really, really hurt because, you know, we, I really thought that we had that game and possibly and not a losing season no matter what happened in the final game not a losing exactly. season exactly that was on yeah. nobody's radar that that was gonna happen and then that goes into next the following week against stanford awful start against stanford down by two scores uh uh pretty much the first full first half and then rattling off like what was it like 24 straight unanswered points or something like that after mm -hmm. halftime mm -hmm. dominating the second half of that game surely have a have a two score two score lead you know, surely going to win this game. And then uh, later in the fourth quarter, another choke job and a couple of things don't go our way and boom, uh, you know, a really, really promising, possibly, you know, um, four and three season 
uh, or even five. It should have been five and two. It should have been six and one, actually. Uh, you know, it turns into a losing season three and four. And now, um, you know, it just looks a lot worse than it actually was. So. No, exactly. So this is this kind of question. It's do we commend this team and Chip Kelly for like making all these games like super, super close, you know, like in a different life, one thing is different and we win, you know, five out of these six games, like, or do we say once again, Chip Kelly brought us a losing season, like maybe it's time to like, you know what I mean? Like, which way do we go with that? That's a million dollar question. And, and actually now, now that it's, now that the season just finished, um and now we're looking you know retrospectively i you know i i i call this season a win this is this is this is a win despite the three and four record and stuff like that again and this proves true again every single game that we've lost all four games that we've lost each one of those games either uh by one score or in overtime by one score by less than a score so you know that tells me that that we're there. We're not closing games. We're not, we're not, uh, uh, finishing, you know, uh, finishing closing out these games and stuff like that, but we're there and we're, we're competing with, you know, at the time, 15th ranks, Oregon and PAC 12 champ, Oregon, actually, they beat you. Yeah. I will say that was, that was a little bit of a bright spot is watching USC choke that game and, and not be PAC 12 champs. I was like that, that, that's good. I like that. I was a big duck fan uh, this past weekend. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 For uh, sure. And then you know having having good teams. You know, like well, Colorado ended up being a decent team this year. You know. I yeah, mean, they definitely. That was kind of a that was kind of a weird loss in week one, but um, you know, beating a, a promising you know Arizona State you know team and stuff like that with a lot of talent, some great coaches. Um, you know, that kind of seemed like a trap game, and then and then you know ultimately, pretty much having all but beat you know uh, SC you know, who ends up ranked, I think what they're finishing in, and they've got into this college football playoff, uh, top 12 or whatever it was, top 15 rankings, right, at the right. end, which, I mean, they seem like the Steelers, you know what I mean? To me, you yeah. know, big old frauds with yeah. a, you know, overrated as fuck. Exactly. But, um, yeah, so that's, what's going on there. And, uh, yeah, so I guess on to, on to basketball, but no, I, I, I think this year, this year showed a lot of promise actually, because even though, yeah, it is three and four and stuff like that. Um, I feel very optimistic for next year because here's the thing you lose all, you lose four games by, by one score or less. I think next year, you know, and we had a much better, by far the best uh, recruiting class already, mm-hmm. you know, and the transfer portal is going to, you know, going to uh, even boost that even more, I think um, this year um, after the season. We've had the best recruiting class up to date this far under Chip Kelly, of course, going yeah. into the fourth year. And uh, DT, so DTR is coming back. He he's got one, he one coming back for one more year. Uh, there will be some some big losses, obviously. Demetric Felton will be gone. Uh, oh, yeah. I can never say his name. <laughs> Defensive yeah. lineman, the NFL yeah. number ninety-two. God, I don't no, want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there'll be some other big, you know, key losses, but there's a lot of returning studs, you know, Greg Dulcich is coming back. I'm really excited for him. He'll, yep, you know, be a PAC 12, uh, all, uh, he'll probably be a first team, all PAC 12, you know, next for the rest of his time at UCLA, things like that. And, uh, yeah, UCLA proved this year that they can win games and, and they know how to win. And I saw a lot of promising, you know, tweets and messages, you know, from, from a lot of the players, you know, just, just, you know, kind of saying, be patient, be patient when obviously all of UCLA nation is 
the opposite of that. You know, they yeah. expect they such a high, you know, standard of expectations like that. But just asking, you know, just just bear with us, you know, pay, be patient one more year. And I promise, you know, like this is going to turn around. And, and I really feel that. I, I really think so. I think the future is very, very bright. And um, yeah, I may or may not have spent a lot of uh, my time on, on Saturday after the Stanford game, uh, just, you know, battling it out on Twitter. <laughs> myself, yeah. defending, taking on all the defending, yeah, control, taking on all the yeah. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah. I, I totally agree. My So this is my take. I loved Chase Griffin in the Stanford game. So obviously DTR goes down, injured, tough, but, you know, expected from him. And I've, I've been saying this for a while. Like, I am on the DTR hate train. I am fully in, on board with Chase Griffin. Like, he is – I think he's the guy. Like, to be quite honest yeah. with you, like, I cannot remember the last game I watched in which DTR didn't – turn it over at least once maybe multiple times even and Chase Griffin comes in you know throws four TDs like as a backup like and and this this game would have been ours if we if had not gone for that two-point conversion with a run just straight up the middle I mean it was was I'm I think he's one of the brightest spots um of this team for me like I think he's a man I couldn't agree more and and I'm, I'm so glad that you brought that up because um, yeah, people forget that, uh, or people don't talk about or realize the fact that he's the one that almost beat Oregon, you know what I exactly. mean? Exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's in the, and the, and the following game after that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And yeah, came in for, uh, uh, the rest of the game against Stanford and, and pretty much had them, you know, had them beat. Apparently Chase Griffin didn't play well enough on special teams and defense to, you know, to, to, to yeah, finish to that game that out, out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, um, yeah, DTR is back one more year. Um, I, will, I we definitely will see more of Chase Griffin for sure next year, uh, even in a backup role. Um, it'll be it'll be interesting. He'll be a sophomore next year and stuff like that. And and so regardless, he'll take the reins, you know, full time, you know, barring injury, um, you know, over the mm-hmm. next couple of years after that. But um, yeah, the future is bright, and 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 I love. Yeah, there's a lot of security to me um, over these next few years. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. The future is bright. Um, also a tough weekend for UCLA basketball though, because, uh, tough loss against Ohio state, but the big 10 has what six teams ranked in the top 25 or seven teams. Yeah. The big 10 is gas this year. They are like weirdly so good. Right. But yeah, I was, I was interested to see how UCLA was going to do against some like really serious competition and, you know, obviously didn't get the W, but looks like score was 77 70 I mean not not like a blowout or anything so UCLA was winning that game I watched most of that game yeah in the most of that game uh and then down the stretch one of their sub one of their subs came in and just kind of got hot hit like two or three threes and you know gave them a lead and then kind of shifted them and stuff like that and then we just basically ran out of time because it was pretty late down the stretch but yeah but um I am fully looking forward to uh, March Madness this year for the first time pretty much ever in my life. Oh, yeah. uh, going up in Wisconsin, obviously a big, big Wisconsin Badger fan all my life and stuff like that. And, and I just I just can't take the, the Sweet 16 Elite Eight heartbreak every single year. Mm-hmm. You know, so, yeah, this little, I'm excited. I'm excited. To go into March Madness this year. This is the theme. But let's move on to because that's just gonna kill my mood. Um 
So NBA's back. NBA's back. NBA's back. Uh, Official tip-off was tonight's uh, Warriors versus Nets game. Is... Yeah, the Nets are playing right now when we're, while yep. we record this. So we are actually going to come through a time portal to be completely – transparent we yeah we're time traveling so the 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 second half of this of this pot or of this uh segment will be the john coon interview which we did uh last thursday on the 18th 16th 17th 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 recorded the rest of our we recorded the, the rest of our segment um uh on the or that same night only for my technology to fail me yet again I lost the file, lost this segment, and now here me and Anna, thankfully, have, you know, half an hour that we can, uh, during Christmas week, that we can um, link up and, and, and try this again. So it's actually December 22nd, and the rest of this, uh, and then the rest of this segment, this one-hour segment, will be the John Kuhn interview from last uh, last Thursday. Fantastic interview. Probably my favorite interview. Yeah, he was, a, he was a great guy. Super interesting. Awesome, awesome, awesome interview. So stay tuned for that um but yeah let's talk some uh, football so nba or basketball nba uh season debut is going on right now um it is a third quarter i believe right now of the yes Nets, third uh, quarter just quarter. ended and are the warriors done people are asking Nets up 99 <laughs> to 71 officially beating the shit out of the warriors i mean they're looking they're looking good i mean the Pray for the pray for the the Eastern Conference if that's what it's going to be like. Yeah, Jesus. I know. Like, without a implosion, like an internal like problem with the Nets, like they're they're going to be dangerous. Like if they keep their shit together and they don't like, I don't know, destroy themselves from within. Like I I think they're they're definitely <laughs> on track to to seriously do some damage. I mean, they're they're so looking they- good. So basically you're saying as long as they don't trade for James Harden. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. That is exactly the type of <laughs> oh, man. internal explosion that will cause yeah, them yeah. to choke this season. But yeah, I mean, oh, you got KD 22 points already, Kyrie 26 points already. I mean, just what you expect out of those two. Dude, did you see that? Did you see that that video of Kyrie? Uh, uh, it was before I think it was their last preseason game. Did you see that clip of him like burning sage and just walking Saging around the, the t- yeah himself? the garden yeah? Like, dude, that guy. <laughs> He's weird. Oh I did not realize dude, like quite how like bizarre he is. Watch some of his. Look at some of his <laughs> like, Instagram photo or Instagram posts. It's. Dude, he's a crazy, crazy guy, but of course he thinks he's woke, you know. Yeah, I mean, the earth is flat. I think we can agree with him there, but like (laughs) everything else, it's like, damn. Yeah, Yeah, he's he's strange. But speaking of Harden, yeah, I think I think they'll be just fine. They'll be a top three, top two seed in in the East for sure. You know, or they should be. Who knows? We'll see. Yeah, they got a high ceiling. Definitely. Nash, I should say, does you know, fares the rest of the season, but the Warriors, you know, the Warriors are, they're down, uh, to, to, you know, studs, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. um, we'll see. Still think the Warriors are going to make it. There'll be a six, seven, eight seed, but, uh, in the West, but yeah, we'll get to the NBA hot takes in a minute, but I have to talk with you about James freaking Harden because every yes. single day I go into Twitter, I go to Instagram, I go to, you know, whatever social media, this man, shit. Is getting, 
flamed and rightfully so is he the biggest hoe in the nba right now people are asking. he is he literally he is like a diva like there's there's other he is like a child that throws temper tantrums like every every time he's in his way i mean the latest thing i'm sure you saw this was like him just getting mad at someone in practice and just like chucking the ball at him like it's <laughs> like what like are you like eight like I, I don't know i feel like that's like what you do like when you're elementary school do you get mad at someone you just throw the ball at them like it's it's the student is insane but um so I, will I say, saw so there was... oh, go ahead go ahead sorry oh yeah yeah so there was like a big uh espn article that dropped yeah two ago now about kind of the the culture of the rockets and it was an interesting read only because everyone knows that harden's like a a, a crazy you know like frustrated toddler but like this this article kind of went to say that the blame more than anything should fall on the administration that has just allowed themselves to get walked over every step of the way. So it's like, if you, if it's always like what Harden wants, and then all of a sudden you stop doing that, I mean, he's going to get mad. That's kind of how it goes. So it's like, if you're going to let yourself be walked over, you can't be surprised when, you know, the the superstar you're letting walk all over you is all of a sudden upset because he didn't get his way. I mean, it's, it's sort of, it's an interesting take. I still think that Harden, it's kind of a piece of shit, oh. but like, yeah, you know, I definitely think there is blame potentially to be placed in the entire organization. I mean, I think Houston's definitely a crumbling kind of administration at this point, but yeah, we'll see where this I'm selling stock. I'm selling all yeah. stock on uh, the Houston Rockets uh, mm-hmm. now and, and for the very, very far foreseeable future. So about so the <laughs> so the, the the newest thing that I saw today about Harden is, is you know, it's like he's He's out there in the, in these strip clubs, man. He ain't wearing no mask. He's out yeah. there every single like weekend, every night, you know what I mean? Traveling to, you know, different cities and stuff like that. First of all, how hasn't this dude gotten COVID and oh, yeah. how has he not gotten, gotten his whole team sick either? Like this man is, this man is wild and out here. Like it's crazy. He does not. Yeah. He does not give a fuck. Like he is, I'm pretty sure he's just like trying to get COVID to just be like, you know fuck you guys like i'm just gonna get covid and give it to the god whole goddamn team like because he doesn't want to be there i mean why would you yeah oh it's 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 a bad look on the on the rockets and their um uh their uh, uh front office i i agree you know but i think he's still under contract for two more years so it's inevitable that you know they he'll, he'll be gone but um, it's really interesting to see where he goes. And I wish that's why I really wish Khalil was here because he has some awesome takes on, on. Um, oh yeah, I'm sure just the NBA in general, <laughs> but, but uh, definitely the the Harden situation and stuff like that. Yeah. But wasn't there another thing in the article about um, how Westbrook, you know, Westbrook did did he say something? Oh or was he- yeah, yeah. So Russell Westbrook, obviously known for being kind of a diva in his own right which was so interesting, was apparently just, like, appalled at, like, the situation in Houston. Like, he said, like, he would, you know, start times for film sessions and practices were sort of just a, a suggestion, and, you know, nothing started till Harden showed up. And it, it, it literally had this this quote from, you know, this this inside guy, like, being like, yeah, one time Russ is up, up at a film session that was supposed to start, you know, 20 minutes ago, and obviously wasn't starting because Harden wasn't there. And Russ was like, dude, just start the session. Like, start without him. Like, please. And for, like, Russell Westbrook to be the guy that's like, let's be more disciplined. Let's have some rules. Like that's when you know that you're like not in a good spot because that dude's not exactly like 
the golden child of the NBA. Like, I don't know. It was, it was crazy. He, he's very, he, he is very respected, you know, uh, uh, in locker rooms, you know, and, and, and yeah. every, everything that he's been on and stuff like that, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, he's just one of those guys where I, I, apparently he leaves and, it, and it's a big stinker. It's a big, like, you know, kind of divorce, if you will. But, um, but, you know, everyone ends up talking so, you know, highly of him after the fact, which I don't understand because I feel like, you know, former UCLA great, obviously Russell Westbrook. I, yes. I, he used to be my favorite player, him and KD, when they were both on OKC, you know, Thunder, those, mm-hmm. those first several years in the league together. They used to be my favorite players that weren't, you know, wasn't a buck. And um, I just thought they were so good. But Westbrook has just turned into such a, just a dick, you know, for lack of a, yeah. a better, yeah. you know, word, you know, on mostly on the court, you know, obviously I can't. Yeah, know, he goes after that. people for sure. Yeah, but the, and, and just as he's just such a, so boneheaded with some of his mistakes and decisions that he makes, mm-hmm. you know, in games, you know, especially down the stretch, you know what I mean? So, so I have a theory that I think I, my guess is that, that he's actually the, the main reason why OKC got, you know, blown up, you know, when they had Harden and, and, and KD and so like, yeah, I think he was the sole, re- most, mostly for KD, but that's, yeah, 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 no, totally. But for him to, for, 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 cause he's still a competitive dude. You know, that's why he goes so hard. That's why, you know, he's so, you know, intense on, on the floor and stuff like that, you know, whether it's to his detriment or, you know, or, you know, to hit him or the team's, uh, you know, gain, but um, dude, it's, it's crazy, man. It's, he's a, he's a crazy guy. He's a, but for him to say that, you know, Harden is, you know, to kind of be like taken back or appalled by, you know, seeing how that culture is, you know, and it kind of everything mm-hmm. revolves around hard. I'm, I'm, I'm really, really thankful for him. And I'm really glad that for his sake that he, you know, yeah, is got the hell out of there. there, you know, he's in Washington, you know, mm-hmm. cause yeah. So that's just a crazy situation, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. Give me, give me, give me a hot take for, uh, give me a freezing hot take for this uh, NBA season. I, okay. I'm all over the place with, this Harden stuff I mean at first I thought he was gonna find his way to the Nets but now I think the Nets would honestly probably be be worse off with him like I, I don't think that their team internally is, could handle him but I, I don't know I think him to the Sixers potentially and then I think the Sixers are gonna do really really well in the East I think they're gonna be like I think the changes that they've they've made like potentially could could really like elevate them from what they were last season so we'll see if, uh, if they if they were to get hardened if they were to get hardened i think yeah so two and things give away about simmons yeah so number one yeah if they got hardened yes but two if they can freaking stay healthy because no matter who stays or who gets traded or whatever you know if mb's only playing you know 20 to 40 games out of the season you know oh, that's, yeah. that's a big that's a big time loss. You know what I mean? Even, even without Harden, you know, just him and Simmons, if those guys are both respectively missing 20 to 40 games, you know, like they do every year, seemingly they're in trouble, you know what I mean? Especially if it's, you know, like coinciding time. So that's interesting. Dude, the NBA is wide open this year, both conferences. I think. You think? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, with the, with the exception of the Lakers, obviously I feel like, but yeah, I agree with that. Otherwise, but I think the the Lakers are are heavy. Like if I were if I were betting, I would I would be putting money on the Lakers. But other than that, I agree. It's 
See, I don't know if they can win. I don't know if they can win in a, in a regular quote unquote regular normal season, you know, cause but who's challenging? Like who? The bubble season was so, so weird. Yeah. And there was such a big break in between, you know what I mean? And, and like, it was just so unconventional that I have yet to see, I want to see, but they're, they really loaded up in the offseason. They're, they're a much better team than they were last year. So I think they're well better built to win it, you know, a regular championship under normal circumstances. But even still, what, what does that mean? Because there's only what 52 games being played in the regular right. season. It, it is not. Yeah. So, a regular season by any means. So but... with, even with that being considered like, man, every game, you know, especially for teams like, you know, like uh, uh, who's going to be right around there, you know, around that seven, eight seed, you know, like OKC perhaps, or mm-hmm. um, you know, Golden State, who knows even, you know, yeah. I think they'll be a little better, but who knows they might be hovering around that seven, eight, you know, uh, uh, Phoenix, you know what I mean? They could be done. Every game is going to count. And that takes me to my, my freezing, you know, hot take is Devin Booker, MVP. Devin Booker for MVP. Uh, Monty Williams, coach of the year, you know, obviously the coach for the, the, the Suns now. And I really like what they did, obviously losing Ubre hurt, but they brought in CP three, who's older than dirt, but I, I love the guy. I think he's, <laughs> I definitely think he's still, you know, a, a big time contributing, contributing. And uh, he's going to make everyone better. Um, And uh, hopefully he'll still, you know, remain pretty efficient, but we'll see. But I think here's the thing though. I think that if, if Phoenix can stay hot this season and, and, and just be consistent and if they can sneak into that, like four or five seed, who knows, you know, they like their, this could be their, you know, like their takeoff year, basically, you know, how, how, when Mark Jackson got fired from the dubs and then Steve Kerr got picked up mm-hmm. and you know, now you got this new blood. And of course you have a, you know, uh, you know, Steph Curry and clay, obviously, you know, you have a lot of talent and you have this upstart, you know, this new system and, and this new coach and stuff like that. And, and, you know, you, they just took off. And then obviously the rest of his history is like a little dynasty, you know, for a few right. years there, you know? but um, if, Phoenix, I could see Phoenix having that year, you know, this year, you know what I mean? Just two years ago, okay. the Portland Trailblazer team with basically just Dame and CJ went to the Western Conference final and got absolutely destroyed by the dubs, yeah. you know, but they were the three seed. They were the three seed. They won like almost uh, 60 games that year. It, it's unbelievable. You know what I mean? So it, I think it can be done. I think it can be done. And if that happens, Booker has to go off. And if they can get to that four or five seed and Booker can average, you know, around 30 points per game, it's going to be, it's going to be game on. And, and, and okay. But here's, I got to admit a lot of this take is mostly my sports betting. So my, <laughs> it's mostly my, just you really dude. hoping. <laughs> yeah. 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 The juicy, the odds were so juicy at 25 to one for him to be. Yeah. MVP. Those are some juicy odds. And uh, Monty Williams was like 20 to one to be coach of the year or whatever. So I had to throw down on that. I was like, if, that were to happen i'm not saying it will i don't even necessarily think it will that that much but it's not a bad take case that there is exactly it's but it's achievable it's 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 like within reach it's you know attainable so if it were to happen like that i'll be sitting on a, you know, on a few hundreds you <laughs> know rich it'll yeah. pay for a vacation yeah it'll pay for for a yeah. nice vacation somewhere <laughs> no, no no that'd be that'd be nice but no i agree i mean i think I think it all is super wide open. I mean, you've got 
a lot of a lot of contenders sort of battling it out for those those middle seedings. I mean, ever, I mean most most everyone that made a playoffs last year I mean, is still looking pretty good. I mean, in the East, you got obviously, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, except the Rockets. Yeah, <laughs> done. But They're even done. they might sneak into the eight or seven. You know, they still With got, John, if John Wall yeah, like doesn't John Wall James Harden does his job, yeah, That's and Harden saying. doesn't, yeah. Isn't ruin everything yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. no exactly so i mean it'll be interesting um to see what happens there for sure but yeah nets have a good strong showing they're they're looking good i mean obviously first game of the season but high hopes for them and all of brooklyn yeah. i'm sure yeah definitely i they gotta be top three i i think i think they'll be if they stay healthy i it, it's just so hard to be a good and they had a pretty good core and bench you know all, all, already you know some really great role players and now mm-hmm. they got, you know, two giants in there with KD yeah. and Kyrie, as much yeah. as I can stand Kyrie or whatever. But KD's the best player in the NBA, in my opinion. You know, he's just been now. Really? Oh, in my opinion, yeah. That's a freezing okay. hot for later on. You know, maybe when Khalil's here, he can, he can Yeah, play. I'm sure he does something to say about that. <laughs> but, but yeah, uh, no, yeah, I mean, so. a league without KD last year was definitely – I mean, he, he, it's different. I mean, he, he definitely changes the dynamic yeah. of the entire – the entire league, that one dude, for sure. Hundred percent. So we'll see. Do you want to talk some a couple minutes of football here before we get to the interview? Yeah, let's do it. Week sixteen. We, before we do up. that, before we <laughs> before we do that, can we just take a moment of silence for you and uh, and all the other mass holes out there for the Patriots missing the playoffs, mathematically eliminated from the playoffs for the first time? I think in my lifetime, our and, lifetime. Oh yeah. First time ever under Bill Belichick, ever. Oh my God! Like what? Like that—that that is seriously what they call the end of an era. Like that is—that yeah. is a sad day. Like I, it's crazy. I mean, I've never once in my life seen a bad Patriots team, like a Patriots team that A did not have a winning season, B did not clinch the AFC East, like C did not play. Like this is foreign territory to me. I don't know how to root for a bad team. Like what? Yeah, this, yeah. So get used to it. I mean, I'm a Packer fan, so we've only had a couple, you know, just in my lifetime. But, um, but usually turned into some graphics or a couple of decent graphics. But nonetheless, not what you're rooting for. You're not rooting for draft pick and stuff like that. So a lot of things are going to happen from this. um, As my internet says that it's unstable. Uh, oh, Carson Wentz, Pat, Patriots, uh, Patriots starting quarterback, uh, 2021. Yeah. I mean, now that the Jets blew it for Trevor Lawrence, I think our, our Sam Darnold theory is, is off. Like we mentioned potentially. Uh, not yet. No. You think you, well, true. I guess if the Jaguars. Them and the Jaguars are one in 13. But the Jaguar, if they were both to finish one and fifteen, then yeah, the Jaguars would get it. So, so the yeah, Jaguars have to lose. Two, yeah, they basically and have so. to lose out or not tie. Yeah, yeah. So the only way is if the Jets lose the next two, and then the Jags have to lose one more time or win one more. Yeah, to finish right. two and four. So right. yeah, who knows? But it's there's still a chance. There's still a chance, but I like that. But I think that's far less likely. But yeah, I mean, Carson Wentz just saying, yeah, I want out of Philadelphia because Jalen Hurts was putting on a yeah. show. He – I also don't hate that either. I mean, I think 
Cam Newton, eh, don't love it. Don't think he's, he's the not future. Either. He's not, yeah, he's not what we need. But, yeah, I mean, that could be interesting. I would love to see Bill work his, his magic and, uh, and revive Wentz a little bit there. I would not hate that. I'll call it if uh, if Carson Wentz goes to the Patriots next year, Patriots are back in the AFC Championship game. Damn, but that is a reason not to. Yeah, yeah, it is. But they got to have a good offseason as well because mm-hmm. that defense is shit. Yeah, it, it will help. We had a lot of people opt out for COVID, which was brutal. Oh, like we oh. had some big, big names. Like, I mean, Hightower. Um, oh, I'm forgetting. Yeah, yeah, I'm forgetting the fucking – but there was another like one or two – serious big pieces that just yeah didn't play the season so if we find a a answer semi answer a quarterback I think definitely we'll be back on track for to be in more contention next next season but wow yeah I didn't even I didn't even remember that that's okay Mm -hmm. well we you can watch uh, my pack in the playoffs will likely be the number (laughs) one seed help us because Jealous. god knows our defense is uh our defense will do us no favors except get us exposed and beat in the playoffs so um yeah that we'll, we'll at least be in the second round hopefully if uh things shake out so big game against the titans this weekend and then mm-hmm. um and then i think we finished with the bears the bu- so that's oh, yeah. a nice dub yeah so i think I'm pretty sure so yeah so we'll see but um on that note let's get out of here and go to our interview and then that will our interview will take us to the end of our segment for this week um we will not be recording uh basically christmas week and then new year's week so we will be back after the new year's um hopefully we're working on some uh like you know a few uh good guests for um for the new year so we got some we got some stuff brewing um so we will be back the first week of january after the holidays and uh yeah everyone stay safe have a happy holiday season and uh follow us on twitter at taker miss ucla uh you can follow my personal instagram that i'm on and off you know depending on if it's final season or not (laughs) at not john morkin m-o-r-k-e-n for the last name and here is our awesome interview with packers legend uh, John Kuhn. Peace, guys. Our next guest is a Packers legend, a two-time Super Bowl champ, three-time Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro over his 12, 12-year career with predominantly the Packers as well as the Saints and the Steelers. Uh, he is currently the co-host of 9 to Noon on iHeartRadio in Milwaukee, um, on top of being a Packers sideline reporter currently. Please welcome a Packers immortal, John Kuhn. What's up, guy? Not bad, John. That was pretty good. You did a good job with that one. <laughs> hey, I'm the, I'm the, I got, I got to, you know, you know, our audience knows I'm the, I'm the Packer homer. I'm the Wisconsin sports homer. You know what I mean? So, so yeah, I, I had, I had to, I had to throw that in there. Real ones will know. <laughs> Let's get right into it. Um. So I want to start with your career, uh, your football career mostly. Uh, you've had a very non-traditional career uh, path journey to the to the NFL uh, from graduating from Shippensburg University. You got it. You got I've it. Never right. heard of. 
uh, and being one of the greatest division two football players, maybe ever to being a chemist lab tech for a summer before, oh, yeah. before getting picked up by the Steelers uh, to then getting uh, you were drafted into the arena football league. I saw, and then oh. never played in the arena football league, but then landed the, with the Packers the following year to, you know, becoming an all pro fullback and special teamer, you know, initially, uh, and becoming a, you know, a Packer legend and, you know, a Super Bowl champ, two-time Super Bowl champ. So are you the grittiest Packer of all time? Because people are asking. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you talk about a hundred plus years of football with some of the grittiest football players you've ever seen. You're talking about Nitschke, uh, Jim Taylor, Paul Horning, Reggie White, Brett Favre. I mean, the, the list is, you know, infinite of tough, hard-nosed football players here. Uh, in Green Bay Packer history. So am I the grittiest? Uh, no, but I I'll tell you what, when you, when you have a path like I did and you talk some of the jobs that I worked when I was in college and then even just after college, um, you get that. You, you get a little bit of the, uh, how do I stick around here? Because as a fullback, that's what you have to do to make a roster. What can I do? Heck, I'd sweep the floors if it meant I was going to be a part of a, of a football team, especially one like the Green Bay Packers, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the New Orleans Saints. So, so some of that grit comes with some of those old jobs that I did, and, and I wear that title pretty proudly. To follow up on that, can you talk about like some of the some of the job because you said jobs plural. What 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 like because I saw that you. So you graduated with a degree, an undergrad in uh, BS in in as in chemistry, yes, right? In chemistry. So so so, what are some of the jobs that that you did have, like prior to you know being, you know, with the Steelers and the Packers and and you know launching your yeah. So career? you know, this trips some people out because it, it was an untraditional path for me to go from college to the NFL. In fact, coming out of high school. Uh, I was barely recruited at all. I had one scholarship offer. It was to the University of Richmond, the Spiders. And funny, when I called them to accept the uh, to accept the scholarship, they had said, oh, well, unfortunately, we had pulled that scholarship at this time because we offered it to four running backs and we only had two spots. So, you know, the other two guys took it. So we, we got to go with them now. So uh, very, very under-recruited and ended up choosing Pennsylvania State School in Shippensburg. It's it's basically like a, a branch school, not of Penn State, but that's how they do it in the state of Pennsylvania. A lot of state schools within that conference, I believe it's like 13 or 14 schools. So I, I chose to go there simply because my family didn't have a whole lot of money. I was the first one in my family to go to college. So I had to do something that was fiscally irresponsible. So I went to Shippensburg. Uh, how did I become a chemistry major? My running back coach said, hey, if, if you pick a major as an athlete, we can schedule your classes online before the rest of the students and get you a schedule that works around football. What do you like? And I just said, well, I enjoyed chemistry class in high school. That's how I became a chemistry major. I didn't know what I had in store for me uh, going to school as a, as a declared chemistry major, but I found out very quickly. I remember the first day of classes, uh, the dean of the chemistry department was in uh, chemistry 101. And he said, all right, there's about 75 of you students in here and about five of you will graduate. And I took that as a challenge. So I said, well, I don't know how tough this is going to be. Obviously, it sounds like it's going to be pretty hard, but I want to prove him uh, that I'm going to be one of these five people that, that do this. So that's how I became a chemistry major. And some of the jobs that I worked throughout college, oh my gosh, I, I did everything. I, you know, I, I unpacked trucks for FedEx, which I found out is an, an 
a very underappreciated job. You talk about walking out of a factory with box furs stuck in your nose so that when you blow your nose, all you see is black soot from the boxes. Yeah, underappreciated. Um, I, I worked as a manager for a, um, a poolside kind of bar restaurant at a country club. Um, I, I did all kinds of crazy jobs throughout, but I realized very quickly uh, as an undergraduate student in chemistry, you can apply for internships and that's where the money was. So I started applying for paid internships very quickly after declaring a chemistry major. And I started getting them. I got one with the uh, Pennsylvania Department of Environmental Protection. And I worked for about two and a half years with, uh, with them during my summer and winter breaks, you know, uh, just, just running quality checks on water samples and, uh, and things like that while I was there which was interesting. It, it, it was a lot of fun. It, big paychecks. I mean, that's, as a college student, you get a paycheck for, you know, six, 700 bucks. It means everything. And that, that was like a weekly paycheck. So I was super excited about that. And then uh, my father worked as uh, an engineer for Johnson and Johnson. So uh, I, I was quick to try and take that route and get in with them. And, and I did a lot of uh, samples and quality checks with, with their products like Pepsi AC and stuff like that at the time. That's what they were producing that and Pepsi complete and all that other stuff. So, so that's the boring chemistry uh, portion of this program. And, and uh, those are kind of the things that I did throughout college and even shortly after college to try and supplement some money for myself. Then you happen to be one of the greatest fullbacks in recent history, NFL history. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny. You, you don't really pick your path, right? Your path kind of picks you and you figure it out. I can remember being drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers and at the end of my first training camp, they cut me and they said, uh, John, we don't see you as being a running back, which is what I was in college. They say, you, you know, your body type is more of a fullback. You don't have the skills for a fullback right now. Um, and, and we don't see you as a running back. You're not fast enough. You know, you, you, you're not elusive enough. You don't do all these things. But we we really like your work ethic. We really like uh, what you did here at training camp, the effort that you put out there. So if we have a spot on the practice squad open, we'll, we'll bring you back. And just by chance, halfway through that Super Bowl season, 2005, they called me back to the practice squad. And I decided once I got back in that door, I was going to do everything it took to learn how to play the fullback position so I could stick around longer. That's, that's awesome. That's so gritty. I, I love it. I love it. Um, <laughs> kind of, you know, over your career, you know, in the, in the early 2010s, you played on some of the, you know, the greatest offenses, you know, ever the NFL has ever seen, you know, especially in, in, in our lifetime. Um, uh, how, like, how special were those, those memories, especially during, you know, the 2011, the Super Bowl season, you know, I'll never forget. I was a high school senior. I'll never forget one of the best days of my life, you know, and then of course the following season, 2012, you know, with you know, with other Packer immortals like, like Jordy, Jordy Nelson, you know, James Jones, Donald Driver, you know, I think you and Donald Driver are probably the two most beloved Packer legends, maybe ever. Well, I, again, I can only speak from, you know, my, my, my life, my lifetime, but, you know, and then of course, Aaron Rodgers, you know, who is the goat, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like how, how special were, you know, were those years and those memories and, and, you know, especially given the circumstances of, you know, your journey up to that point, you know, like how, how extra special did that feel or was that for you? Yeah. Now, you know, I, I always have to remind people, I, I was very blessed in the fact that the three organizations I played for with the Pittsburgh Steelers, Green Bay Packers, New Orleans Saints, 
tremendous organizations, the coaches, you know, between Cower, Tomlin, Mike McCarthy, Sean Payton. And then I finished with the quarterbacks of Ben Roethlisberger, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, and Drew Brees. I was blessed throughout my entire career to be on very successful teams uh, within very successful organizations with very highly touted head coaches and Hall of Fame quarterbacks. So I, I consider myself lucky just to have the career with those names and, and those teammates that I had. But when you talk about the Green Bay Packers from about, and I will say from 2009 to about 2015, which was my last year with them, that's a, that, that, that's a run of which I'll never forget. We made the playoffs every single season. Uh, we did have at the time after the 11 season, which was the season after the Super Bowl, we had won or we had accomplished uh, the best offense the National Football League has ever seen. So we had some tremendous accomplishments uh, along the way. And then you put in the fact that we won a Super Bowl on top of that. Uh, yeah, th th that about five, six year span was was a truly dominant team and a lot of memories that, that I'll never forget. In fact, uh, even the losses, you know, we, we lost in over, and people forget this, we lost in overtime in the playoffs four times. So there's four times our season ended with a heartbreaking overtime loss. And even those memories I'll never forget because our teams were still great, spectacular. And, and there was a lot out there that we had accomplished throughout those seasons. So obviously you guys have a ring, um, which is incredible. But besides that, do you have a particular like standout memory, like anything that to you stands out as like, wow, this is seriously like one of the best moments of uh, the year Aaron Rodgers got hurt, which was 2013, we went down to Chicago the last game of the regular season, and Aaron had missed the previous eight weeks, I believe. Randall Cobb had missed the previous week. Uh, we were going to get them back for that game. There was a lot of uh, kind of controversy over whether Aaron would play or not. Well, he ended up playing in the game uh, with his collarbone freshly healed from a break, and we were able to beat the Bears down there in kind of uh, glorious fashion. We had a we had a last drive of the game in which we converted three fourth downs, which is kind of unheard of. And we grinded it out to the point where Aaron threw a 48 yard touchdown on the last fourth down, which was, I believe, fourth and seven or fourth and eight. And there was only 48 seconds left in the game. And on that play, I, uh, I was credited with blocking joyous peppers. I, I like to say that I closed my eyes and wished for the best. And, and the best thing happened when I opened my eyes, seeing Aaron out of the pocket, throwing that touchdown to Randall Cobb. So that's one of the most special memories I had is going down there in Chicago, beating the Bears for the division championship and, and making it to the playoffs in a year when everybody counted us out because Aaron had been hurt and had missed eight games. So, yeah, that, that's definitely hot, very high up there on the list. I will never, ever, ever forget that moment. One of the one of the most special like Packer moments, my favorite moments of all time. You know that I was I, I actually had a question about about that that specific play. You know on, on Julius Peppers when you when you cut you know Peppers on that fourth down TD pass to win the game. Uh, <laughs> I was kind of going to ask you know where did that rank in your all time career moments? So that was kind of answered. But funny thing about that is the next year Julius Peppers uh was released right by chicago and then picked up yeah. by green bay as a free agent are you responsible for him losing his employment with the chicago bears on that play <laughs> well, green bay well it, it wasn't me specifically even though uh julius liked to joke about that quite a bit and he said that uh with the media and, and it got a little bit of run 
But that play specifically, that game, that season, uh, there were a lot of Chicago Bears uh, players and coaches that, that lost jobs because of that. Uh, and rightfully so. They were they were trying to compete with the Packers and and uh, and and become what we were in the NFC North at that point in time. And uh, I can remember Julius walking in on the first day, and he had joked with the media about that. And then I got my chance to talk to Pep, and uh, and he said, "Thank you." That's all he said to me. That's all he said was, "Thank you, thank you for uh, getting me out of Chicago and here in Green Bay with you guys," because uh, he wanted to be in a place where he really felt like he had a chance to win. So. I can remember that very much. And he was a tremendous teammate. One of, one of my favorite teammates of all time, Julius Peppers. Big, scary monster of a man on the field. But off the field, he was as cool as they come. He was a great teammate. He was very approachable and uh, just an all-around great guy. That is, that's so incredible. I forgot until you mentioned, uh, when, when you were just discussing with Anna about um, the, the Packers lost four times in overtime in the playoffs. I forgot all about that, but oh, yeah. I'll never forget. I was stationed up in Washington. I was still in the army at that time. I was stationed up at Fort Lewis, Washington. There's a tiny little Packer bar. You know, there's Packer bars all over the country, right? I was at a Packer bar right outside the base there. And I was watching the NFC championship game or no, the division. It was a divisional game against the Cardinals, right? Down in Arizona, the overtime yeah. loss with Fitzgerald. You... I, I want to hear your your opinion on on the throw to Janice, not not the first one in the end zone, not the first one in the end zone. You know what I mean? I, I think that was on third or fourth down as well. You know, and got it out to about the forty five or something like that. But the last play or the 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 touchdown hail mary to tie the game to Janice, where he was under pressure. I think they rushed about they rushed like seven. I think on that play. And Janice was going down the, I think it was the, yeah, the left side, the near side. And Rogers flew out the left side of the pocket, right? And just chucks it, just threw it, falling away. And it landed right on the money to Janice. And obviously Janice made an incredible, incredible catch. But is that, I think that's one of the greatest throws in NFL history, in football history. It's unbelievable. What, what is your opinion on that, you know, being, being there? Yeah, you're not you're not supposed to roll left, right, as a right-handed quarterback and be able to throw the ball 65, 70 yards in the air and have the ball nearly touch the ceiling of the dome there out there uh, in Arizona. But that's exactly what Aaron did. Uh, they did bring pressure. They, they did. And, and the whole idea of them bringing that pressure was they were going to force the ball out of Aaron's hands. They were going to make the play uh, unconventional. It was going to uh, get – it was supposed to mess with the footing. It's supposed to mess with the timing. He's supposed to have to throw it before he's ready. The receivers can't get down the field. But uh, leave it to Aaron Rodgers and his ability to get out of the pocket, which he spun out left, which kind of fooled the defensive end. Uh, there was the linebacker free uh, right immediately at the beginning of the play. And to roll out of there and cork one while rolling force full speed and cork one all the way down the field and get it to the end zone, I mean – People don't understand. They truly don't understand. And, and part of the reason why they don't understand how great of a pass that is, is because Aaron Rodgers has kind of made that customary for him. It, it's, it's not outside the norm to see him throw a ball like that a few times a season. So him doing that, it, it definitely goes down with the timing of the game, the magnitude of it to send it to overtime. It definitely goes down as one of the greatest throws in NFL history. Of my career 
So, John, obviously I've never been to a Packers game, being a Boston native myself, a big Patriots fan. Um, but I do have to know, how does it feel to have, like, an entire stadium of, like, 70,000 people just, like, all collectively screaming your name? Like, is that just, like, the best feeling on planet Oh, Earth? yeah, yeah. It, it's pretty tremendous. It's an awesome feeling. In fact, um, the, just the fact that they did it in the games is one thing, but – but when I walk around town, when, you know, if I was coming out of a Best Buy, especially, you know, my playing days, uh, I can remember vividly walking out of a Best Buy one time. And as I came out of the door, uh, there was a fan standing there. And the moment I walked out, they scared me out of my out of my shirt, just about with uh, how loud they yelled coon when I walked out. And they, they had waited for me. They had seen me in the store and they had waited for me to come out of the store so they could do it so they wouldn't be rude in the store, but it was a tremendous honor. It was a tremendous feeling. Thank goodness I have such an easy last name for everybody to pronounce so that they could bellow it the, uh, to the magnitude that they did. And uh, the fact that our fans were so smart and so educated and, and pretty much knew when I was gonna get the ball that they started doing the chant even as I was running on the field was always something special that I thought and always something that if they're gonna yell my name before I get the ball, either at the one yard line or on third down and one, I better not let 70,000, 80,000 down. I better make sure I get this yard and score the touchdown or get the first down. So something that, that you talk about memories, that's something that's very high up there as well. And you often did get that, get that pylon, get that end zone, get that one yard. Oh man, those are, those are awesome memories. Um, speaking of the fullback position, you know, in, in 2011, uh, you were maybe the only, I don't, I don't know. I had to fact check this, but you were maybe, maybe the only fullback in history to be actually ranked in the NFL top 100, the very, you know, the very highly renowned and respected, you know, uh, top 100, you know, list that they do, um, that's voted by all peers, right? If I'm, yeah. Yeah. So you were ranked number 92. Uh, how good at, just how good at your job do you have to be you know, to receive this recognition as a fullback. I, I, that's just incredible to me. Has that, has, do you know of anyone else, any other fullback, you know, that's, that's made the top 100? Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, there, there's probably a guy or two that did it before after me. There's been um, quite a few actually, since I did it. I know Mike Tolbert uh, did, it. I, I, I know uh, Kyle Juszczyk for the 49ers has done it uh, several times now. And, you know, it's, it's kind of a, you know, a lot of people say it's a, it's a dinosaur position. It's a dying position. Uh, I don't necessarily see that to be true. I think it's more of a niche position now than what it's ever been in the past. And you have to be able to do multiple things from there. You can't just be the battering ram and you can't just be a guy who catches the ball in the flat. You got to be able to block. You got to be able to carry the ball. Sometimes you got to be able to catch passes. You got to be able to do things after you make the catch. And more times than not, you got to be able to play special teams and do all the dirty work there as well. And uh, there have been some guys that have been really good at all of those things. And when those guys uh, are playing the fullback position, you can tell, you can tell a guy who's special at the fullback position because not only will their coaches use them in unique ways that you're not used to seeing the fullback do, but they will impact games. And I feel like to get into the top 100, you have to be a guy that impacts the game at that position and you make that position relevant again. And we've seen that, you know, with the Kyle Juice checks of the world uh, since, you know, since I, I made it in 2011. That's, I forgot all about Kyle Juice check. I'm not going to lie. 
But uh, hey, let's play. Let's play a quick um, this or that game, okay? So it's gonna be like a rapid fire here. All right, what feels better? Uh, a huge pancake lead block out of the out of the I formation, or scoring the touchdown yourself? I'd say, I, I'd be I would be lying if I said the pancake block felt better uh, physically and emotionally. Like it's awesome to make a pancake block, but I'm gonna take the touchdown every time. All right. Okay. Uh, NFL top 100 or all pro recognition? I'd say all pro. I, I think it's a little more respected. It's a little more uh, cherished by guys. Now, unfortunately, here's a little fact for you. They don't carry a fullback on the all pro team anymore. So uh, juice out there in San Francisco has been getting robbed for years. They switched that to uh, a flex back, which the fullback could feasibly make, but I don't, I don't see it happening with third wide receivers and, and special backs now, utility backs yeah. now. I don't see the fullback making an all-pro team anytime soon. Rushing or receiving touchdown? I'd rather run it in. I'd rather run it in. I'd rather have the fans say, you know, yell my name before I get the ball and then uh, score it, <laughs> spike it, Lambo leap. That's amazing. Uh, winning the Super Bowl, but not playing in the game or losing deep in the playoffs but being all pro that year. Oh yeah. I mean, it's easy. It's, it, it's going deep in the playoffs. It's having a good season. It's playing with your team. I, I, I actually, my first Super Bowl championship was uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers on the practice squad. So I didn't play in that game, cherish the memory, cherish the experience, but there's something special about when you're one of the guys out there putting that work and doing those things on the field and you always take playing over, over watching. Awesome. Uh, beating the Vikings or the bears. What's better? Oh, that's, that's, I mean, that's like, that's the toughest pick and beating both. I would say I, I can't pick one or the other. They were both good foes while I was playing. I would have to probably lean to the bears just because the rivalry is a little bit longer, but that's a tough. That's right. Uh, last one, Lambo leap or individual TD dance. I have a feeling I know this one. Yeah, I'm going to do a Lambo leap. I'm not much of a dancer, guys. I, I don't know. You, you started the segment talking about uh, me being a gritty player. So gritty players spike the ball and do Lambo leaps if they can. That's right. All right. So our last question uh, for you before we uh, let you go is, so your current career now, you're in media and broadcasting. Um, and so I want to know, were you always interested in that sort of thing? Or is that sort of something that developed um, throughout your yeah, I would say much like I talked about the path decides you, you don't decide your path. I, I would say this this falls right into that category. While I was playing football, uh, you know, graduate school in, in chemistry was getting further and further away from, from what I was probably going to do when I was done. So I took a bunch of uh, seminars, classes, and, uh, and things that the NFL offered in the off-seasons. I, I, I went to business classes at, at Wharton. I went to business classes at Harvard. And, uh, and sucked up as much of that information and knowledge and, and, and networking that I could possibly do. And then I did broadcast boot camp, which was um, pretty much a, a crash course session uh, in Jersey, North Jersey at the NFL studios. And, and I worked a lot with uh, some very important and uh, intelligent people with ESPN, NFL Network, FS1, all the major networks in trying to see and build a craft with, uh, with media. And at the time I was doing a bunch of small radio things around the state of Wisconsin. And uh, I, I initially went there to try and make those better while I was playing because I was a part of them. 
but as I was there working, as I was getting some of the knowledge and some of the information that they were, they were giving out to me, I decided this could be something that I would do when I was done playing. And when I was done playing for the, for the Packers and still as a player down in the New Orleans Saints, I'd had a few talks with the Packers at that time about doing sideline work with their broadcast team because they had never had that before. And I figured if I was going to do that when I was done, I might as well uh, try and branch off and do some radio as well throughout the course of the week. So, that, I mean, that's kind of how the whole thing got started, was just taking every opportunity that was given to me out there while I was playing. I wasn't, you know, I, I was never focused on being done playing football because I always thought, you know, once you prepare to be done, your finish line is probably a lot closer than, than what you would want it to be. So I always, football was always the number one priority. But when the NFL gave me an opportunity to go out there, take classes, learn, have seminars, do I, I tried everything that the NFL was going to let me to try because I never knew exactly what was going to stick. And here as it stands, you know, I'm doing journalism now, I'm doing broadcasting now. And, uh, you know, I, I never know. I, I could be a GM someday. I could be a coach someday. I could be a scout someday. I, I don't know where this is going to finish. But as of right now, it's, it's a lot of fun talking sports with the likes of you guys. Awesome. Thank you so much. So breaking news, John Kuhn is open to being a GM, next GM of Green Bay in a few years. <laughs> <laughs> no, that takes a long process. I'm going to have to start with a scout first, and I'm going to have to start working my way up. But no, I, that just goes to say, you don't ever really know where, where the finish line is. You don't ever know uh, where you're going to be. And much like my path to being where I am right now, I would have never in a million years imagined that I would be talking during the week about all sports going on in, in the country. And then on Sundays, get to uh, get to talk about my favorite team, the team I'm, I most cherish in the Green Bay Packers. And it's been a thrill. It's been an honor. And, and I enjoy doing it every single day. That's that's so awesome. That's why we love you so much in Wisconsin and just the Green Bay fan base in general. John, I know you got to get out of here. Thank you so much for your, for your time. And uh, hey, best of luck the rest of the season. Come back anytime. Thanks, guys. I'll be back on sometime. You guys have a safe and uh, happy holiday. Yes, sir. Stay safe. Hey. Have a happy holiday. Thank you.